It's time, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. And by God, this is the BS. Uncensored. All right, there it is. Episode, what is this? Episode 10. 10. Double digits. Of the BS Uncensored. Thanks for being here. My name's Jason Bailey. There's Nikki D. There is Nelson. Our guest this week. I'm looking at him right now. I got to tell you, he's about 50 years younger than I thought he was going to (laughs) be. Didn't see this one coming, Max. Did not see this one coming. Uh, but uh, <laughs> our guest, Max Bennett, he's the co-founder and CEO of, is it, it's Albi, right? That's how you pronounce it? Albi, yep. Yeah. But, I mean, you've done, uh, I mean, you're like a computer genius guy. You're, 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 one, you're, you're, the, you're the guy that my generation missed out on, right? You're how old? Probably, what, 31, 32? 33. 33. Oh, I wouldn't have even guessed him in his 30s. Pretty, pretty close. Yeah, pretty, pretty close. <laughs> is that good? Is it good that I I look so youthful? Yeah, a lot right. of lotions or something. Hey, we're jealous. That's yeah. what it is. I mean, we're <laughs> lotion. Like, no, here, here's here's the God's honest truth. And I mean, we're going to talk about um, a brief history of intelligence, evolution, AI, and the five breakthroughs that made our brains. And this is on sale. Uh, it's already on sale, actually. And and this is this is the stuff that we hear about all the time and talk about this AI stuff. And I swear to God, and I usually do good prep for guests, but and I usually look at the pictures and I pull them up. But I I thought you'd look like the captain of the Titanic or something, you know, <laughs> like thinking that you're this old professor professor from Ithaca College or something like that, you know. Right, right. Um, but no, we're you know my generation generation X. I grew up a jock. My mom always told me, be careful the the smart guys. They're going to eventually take over the world and steal your girlfriend and make all the money, and that's what you do. Yeah, give his girlfriend back, Max. Give me my girlfriend back, Max. <laughs> I'm a married man. I'm a married man. You're a married okay. guy. Okay. Uh, so before we, like, now I'm curious more about you than just the AI stuff. So first, let me start with you. Like, as a young guy, I mean, this is, this is the AI technology is fairly new, at least mainstream new. So how do you know so damn much about it? Yeah, I think, well, AI has been going on for 70 years, um, but it is, uh, it's been taking off a lot over the last two decades. Um, And I think when there's a lot of new technologies emerging, often it's, you know, a lot of, I don't want to say like, uh, the biggest experts in AI are, I would say, like the Jeffrey Hintons and the Richard Suttons of the world who have been doing this for decades. That said, um, I've been on the front lines of uh, commercializing these systems. So uh, Blue Core, which is a company I co-founded, I was the chief product officer of, you know, 25% of the top retailers in the world use Blue Core to apply AI to their marketing systems. Um, and so I think when you're on the forefront of applying these outside of the lab, but in real practical use cases, uh, you learn a lot about their limitations um, as well as what they're capable of. Um, so yeah, I've been on the front lines of this. Uh, I think it's a really fascinating space. There's lots of possible great outcomes that could occur. There's also some outcomes that might not be as great that we need to think about. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely an exciting time to be alive. Okay. So we hear these stories all the time about, you know, somebody in the thirties, twenties, even that co-found these startups, like you were just talking about, 
and I'm guessing you sold it, and now you're a gazillionaire, and you move on with your life. But how does it start? Like, where, where, where does the conversation start where this company is built? It's not easy to build a company. I've tried. I've done it. You know, it's very difficult. It is very painful to start companies. I don't know why uh, we do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, starting a company uh, is something that... Uh, Sorry, let me put this on. Uh, starting a company is something that you really can't plan in advance. So um, when uh, we first started Blue Core, I did it with uh, two friends of mine, uh, my two co-founders. Um, we didn't even think about it as an AI company, actually. Um, we originally thought about it as a automation company. So we were automating uh, data collection and then uh, some very basic rules-based predictions as to what customers would want. And then we would just trigger marketing communications. And it was only after we were acquiring all of this incredible amounts of data that we had the idea of we could actually build AI systems on top of this um, and create uh, systems that would predict what people wanted outside of these rules-based approaches we were doing. So we started applying all of the sort of frontier technology and machine learning. I mean, that's when we started realizing that the abilities that it had to predict things were just far beyond any technique that was created before. So we stumbled into it. I think a lot of startup uh, journeys are not like we didn't plan on it becoming that big. We when we started out, we were like, man, if this became a company with thirty people, I would be euphoric, right? And then ten years later, there's four hundred people, and we're just like, how did it end up here? That's that's crazy. You're um, you're, you're, but, you're even yeah. having those conversations with mm-hmm. your. I mean, does anybody else in this room feel really lazy right now? Yeah, I just <laughs> feel like I might not have any really smart buddies. Like I thought, uh, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I know when I'm around my friends, the last thing we're talking about is, you know what? We can make this better. Right. right. You know, how do we take this to the next level? <laughs> well, but even if you can dream up an idea to have the follow through to like really go and do it, that's even a next level beyond that. Yeah. So the, the you got you you got from there to to the AI technology and we, you know, as as for the most part dum dums, at least I'd say I am. Um, you know, you kinda know what it is and you hear the stuff that it can do. Uh you kinda wrap your head around the it's going to be the end-all be-all of the world mm. you know because it's going to take over and you see all these stories every day the good the bad and the ugly so that's why max bennett's on so he can explain mm-hmm. to us all that stuff why don't you start like talking to us like we're five okay and explain what ai is as simplistically as you possibly can and then we'll go from there all right so I think uh, the first thing to realize is the word AI is just, or two words AI, the term is just a term. Um, and if you put even the greatest experts of AI on this podcast and ask them to define it, you're going to get very different definitions. So the first thing to realize is there is no single definition that is agreed upon as to what it is. The most anchored definition uh, for AI is a non-biological entity that can do what humans do. Um, if you if you really press people on what they mean when they say we're trying to create artificial intelligence, what they really mean is we're trying to recapitulate human-like abilities in a non-human entity. Hmm. And that is what brings in the question of the brain, because what we're actually trying to do is say, hey, can we create some of the abilities that brains can do in machines? And this has been something we've been trying to do for 70 years. Um, so... You know, there was a famous meeting in the 1950s where the uh, the term artificial intelligence was coined. And a lot of the people that came out of that, uh, it was a Dartmouth meeting, predicted that in 20 years, we would have a machine that could do anything a human could do. Wow. 
Wow. And it didn't happen. And uh, the reason it didn't happen is something called Moravec's paradox, uh, which was he was a, uh, I think, a Carnegie Mellon roboticist that came up with this term in the 80s. And Moravec's paradox is the things that are really hard for humans to do actually turned out to be really easy for machines, like doing math. We have a $2 calculator that can do math better than a human. And the things that are really easy for humans, like imagination, common sense, fine motor skills, thinking about the minds of others and emotions and empathy are astronomically difficult for machines. And that's more of X paradox, which is like, wait, the things that we thought would be really hard that we really initially treasure about being a human, which is our logic and, our, and, and all that, it's actually really easy to put into a computer chip. But these things that are so... Uh, sort of subconscious for us when we're talking to each other we're always inferring what we mean by what we say it's very easy for us to plan our routes during our day it's easy for us to learn how to drive we've struggled to create that in um in machines so that's sort of the high level like what ai is the current challenges um one thing in terms of the breakthroughs that are emerging in ai there's been a schism in the ai world over the last 70 years where one side clearly won the schism was should we encode knowledge directly as a program? In other words, should we, this is what's called expert systems. Should we just program what the what they do, effectively software? Or should we create like these webs of neurons, a neural network, where we let the system learn on its own? And pre previously people thought there's no way this web of neurons is gonna be able to learn to do anything. Um, and what's proven true over the last two decades is if you give it more and more data and you keep showing it the right answers, eventually it starts getting capable of doing crazy things. And so that's why we now have uh, what's called conv convolutional neural networks that can predict images, classify images really well. Now we have language models that can write language. These things were never, these things only saw astronomical amounts of data. Um, and then they're just learning from them, which is partially what the brain does, but it's still missing things that the brain does, which I'm happy to go into. Well, yeah, dude, I'm sitting, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm like, this is the most I've learned about this since I first, you know, see it in the news or read. Are you going to be on video or no? No, it was it won't work. Oh, it won't so work. something's okay. not on, plugged up or something. She's like on the that. video that matters. So Max, like I think a lot of people have this thing where they hear AI and they think whatever Terminator, Skynet. They think of actual an actual robot that's getting up and it's doing tasks. But AI is as simple as swipe to text, which has been on Android for twenty years. Correct? Yes, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So should people? Fear AI, like people are afraid of it. They think it's going to take over the world. Like, are we being silly to fear that, or are we in our right minds? Um, you're you're in your right minds. I I think that the Skynet scenario is, uh, although it's not a zero probability, is a distraction from the much more practical uh, challenges that we're going to run into. I think there are two big practical challenges that we should think about more deeply. The first is the more decisions we hand to AI systems, um, the more we really want to understand when those uh, systems make mistakes. Um, so a very simple example is uh, if we enable AI to make hiring decisions, do we feel good about uh, the bias that's present in those systems? Because if they're clearly showing up to be more biased uh, than a human is, that could be really catastrophic. Um, if we're going to hand over driving to AI systems, are we okay with the choices it makes in impossible decisions when it has to crash into one group of people or another? Do we like the moral choices that it makes in those situations? So one is like the more decisions we hand over, we need to make sure we feel good about the ways it goes wrong. And as a quick side note on that, 
you know, we've been building society around the flaws in human brains for a thousand years. For example, we know human brains are imperfect, but we have rules and regulations. For example, you can't fly a plane if you're on drugs or you haven't slept for 24 hours. Why? Because we know human brains degrade into those two circumstances. So we've we've done a lot to understand okay, here's where brains do well, and here's where brains don't, and let's try and maximize the outcomes here and put guardrails. We don't really understand why AI systems make mistakes yet, and that creates a problem because it's hard to create guardrails around it. So one is we have to struggle with these sort of practical realities. The other um, practical problem is a technological one where you know we've been displacing jobs for you know hundreds of years, at least since the Industrial Revolution that's been really accelerated. Um, but it's possible this is going to be a more rapid disruption than any that's come before. Um, and that begs big questions around uh, labor disruption. You know, what happens when huge swaths of jobs are just replaced with AI? Um, what's the human cost of that? Um, does that create inequality issues where people who own the companies and the data and the algorithms, uh, you know, are extracting huge amounts of the economic gain and then the rest of people garner no benefits. So I think that's a really important thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a more emotional part, which I think a lot about, uh, which is not discussed as much, which is, you know, most models of humans, at least in Western society, we think about us as consumers. So if I can give us, if I can give you more cheaper stuff, then I've made your life better. But we're also producers. I mean, we like being useful. At least a lot of us do. We want to do things that make us feel like we matter. And so when AI just comes around and just says, yeah, you know, you're an artist, but like, we don't need you anymore. Or like, yeah, you're a writer, but like, we don't need human writers anymore. I think there's an unmeasured human cost to that when we just don't use humans for a lot of things anymore. And I'm not sure the solution to that, but that's another practical problem. I think we need to think about my biggest, one of my biggest issues with this is the being held accountable. You know, if you are allowing AI to hire people like the example you gave or fly a plane or drive a car or any of these things and something goes wrong and something will go wrong, who do you hold accountable for it? And, you know, with human beings, there's accountability and we learn from our, our flaws and our failures. You know, we, you cannot achieve success unless you have failure. You know, you should fail more than you succeed. So you appreciate it. I mean, that's the human spirit, the human nature with this, that's not going to be the case. You know, if it fails, there's finger pointing, no one to blame. And it just happened. And we accept possible loss of life. Um, or whatever the case may be. And, and and then with the job thing, the second, the other thing that you were talking about, Max, is, yeah, it's going to be a drastic change in the job force. I mean, we're seeing it drastically happen where a lot of these restaurants, you go, there's nobody there. There's one, maybe one person there that heads that, you know. So where's the income going to come from? You know, <clears throat> I've always thought that in this case, you know, and I know it's not all <clears throat> about robots. It's not just robots, you know, like iRobot or something like that. But if you're going to replace human beings that with AI, then maybe give stake in whatever company to said employees. So, okay, well, then it's almost like they own the robot. They own the AI. They own that technology. They're going to work for me. I'm going to put money in, but I'm really not going to do shit. And they're going to do whatever they want to do. You know what I mean? So you got because there's not going to be any jobs left. There's not going to be anything for us to do. Literally nothing. Our job, radio will be done in the next 10 years 
because of AI. I'm I'm certain of it. It is going to be done. There are already, you know, radio stations now across the country uh, are, you know, the one in particular thought it was clever to have it on. Ha ha, funny, funny. Fuck you, man. Like, that's horrible. You put that that chick on the air. That's just the start of what's going to happen because radio companies are not going to want to pay us, mm-hmm. you know, and we're thank God I'm 48. I'm almost, you know, to the point of being washed up, but. It, it, it scares the living daylights out of me. And I don't know if it is because I'm 48. You seem very excited about it, Max, but you probably own all the AI in the world, too. I don't know. <laughs> I feel the same fears. No, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, like, for example, I love writing. Um, I really, I get a lot of joy from from writing. And I do, do I. there is this feeling of, of like, will anyone write anymore? Is this one of the last books that will be written? And uh, I, I, I share in that. Yeah. I do think we're going to need a new deal for this this type of world. I mean, there's a debate, and I don't know the right answer. Um, one side says, we've been doing this for hundreds of years. Who would have thought, for example, who would have thought that one of the most lucrative jobs today was going to be computer programming? Right. I mean, computer programming did not exist in the 1950s. I mean, there was a few people that were maybe writing Fortran statements, but like that wasn't a real job. And computers displaced a ridiculous number of jobs. And then all of a sudden it created all of these computer programmers. So the there's one side that makes this type of argument and maybe they're right, but eventually we're gonna get to the point and maybe now is the time when we're not gonna create new jobs. It's just gonna be AI systems doing all of that. And I think the fear, which I think is legitimate is we're entering a world where it's just there's not going to be new job creation. It's just going to be uh, replacement. Um, and I think if that's true, we're going to need a new deal here where we're going to have to consider systems like you're describing where there's shared equity ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, one proposal that's being floated is UBI, universal basic income, where we just need to tax systems more. And then we just give all citizens just a flat you know, income per year. Wow. Um, but I do think in our lifetimes, we're going to be needing to consider these types of things because in the absence of it, inequality might just get too high. Yeah. And and so on Tuesday nights here in Sacramento, I go to uh, this class with the FBI here, right? And last night um, I was at this class and, and it really kind of shed some light. Uh, this will make sense here in a second. Just follow me. But one of the agents got up and spoke about uh like sextortion with the cyber and the kids and kind of how it started. And I mean, we're talking about these agents that are hands-on that are traveling to Tunisia and all these different places to, to find the bad guys and stop this stuff. But the extortion aspect of it, you know, and how it started and, you know, the, the, the Nigerian Prince was a thing. And then they realized, well, that, you know, it's run its course. So let's do this and let's do this. And then they're like, well, these kids are too young. Let's go to somebody older who has money because these kids are like, you know, Screw you. I ain't got $300. You're going to have to share the pick with somebody. I, I just don't have it. You know, and, and he was walking us through this. And this guy was, you know, kind of split the difference between you and I as far as age. So he explained it. He goes, you know, as the older you get, the more you fear what you did not grow up with. But our kids, and he talked about his three kids, grew up with social media. Uh, and it's just a part of their daily lives. iPads. You see six-year-olds going through iPhones, and they, they're learning how to do it on their own. It's not taught like I was taught, or even maybe you, Max, was taught. And he explained it in a really interesting way of not fearing the unknown just because you're not familiar. Because if you go back to when you were a kid, or I was a kid, or Nikki, or Nelson, or whomever, and you look at things that were new to your parents— 
it's the same exact thing of history repeating itself as it always will. So that brings me back to AI and going, well, maybe we're overreacting just because we don't know. It's the evolution. It's what's next. It has to happen in order for us to survive because it's going to happen either way, one way or the not, one way or another. I think there's, I think there's definitely truth to that. I think there's, I mean, I, I would say in, I wouldn't call myself a techno optimist, but I'm more on the optimistic side than, than not. Like for example, uh, how many people out there don't learn well in a classroom? So many, I know so many unbelievably smart people that just didn't do well in classrooms yeah. because they just don't learn at the pace. And the problem with the classroom is you're speaking to a group of 15 or, you know, 40 kids and you have to have one message for all of them. So these new large language models offer an incredible opportunity for personalized learning. I mean, I would be very excited for my children to have their own personalized teacher that can work at their own pace, that they can ask questions to, that's infinitely patient, that never makes them feel insecure about not understanding something. So I think there's, it's not all bad. There's some amazing things that could come from this. Um, but at the same time, the argument that it always worked in the past and hence it'll work in the future is also a little bit nefarious. You know, there's Nick Bostrom, who's a famous philosopher who wrote Superintelligence, has something called the vulnerable world hypothesis, which is suppose there's this urn. This is his thought experiment. So this is an urn, and the urn has a bunch of balls in it, and each ball represents technology, right? So we're just what we're doing is we just keep taking technology out of the ball, out of the urn. And once we open the Pandora's box, once we get it, we can't undo it. And the vulnerable world hypothesis is, is there at least one ball in this urn that when you pull it out, the world ends? Mm. All that has to be the case is there's one ball in that urn, and then we should be concerned and thoughtful about what we're doing. And so, the, so and you know, if you believe that, if you can make the argument there's at least one technology that could be created that would be catastrophic, then you'll see the, th the statement that like, well, always worked in the past, it'll be fine in the future. That will always stay true until the one moment that it's not. Um, so I think it will probably be fine, uh, but I just I, I think we shouldn't be too quick to silence concerned voices um, who are making sure that we're doing things safely. Well, no, and it's man-made, and so there's a flaw that's involved. Exactly. Because no one's perfect, and we've never made someone perfect. You know, you go to the beginning of the social media era, right? And it was, you know, cool. I can listen to music. Tom's my friend. This is neat. I can talk to people. God, I haven't seen them in forever. This is Facebook thing. Oh, this is even better. Oh, I can find somebody. Oh, yeah, she's going to go out with me. You know, and then we see what the what social media turned into. Now, there's a lot of pros. Don't get me wrong, but it's also taken people's lives with cyberbullying. It's gotten, you know, kids kidnapped. I mean, like there's a lot of horrible things that go along with. And so we backtrack as human beings. We backtrack and try to fix what we either ignored the future of or we didn't see coming. You know, so the same thing with this, if this is man-made, which it is, you know, that's what I'm afraid of is something as powerful as AI that we won't be able to go back because the damage will already be done because it's that powerful. Yep. And I think we need to think about business models here, too, where, um, you know, capitalism is in an interesting phase now where. Uh, you know, I would say for most of the industrial revolution, capitalism did largely good things because the best way to make money would be to create an invention that makes people better off enough that they want to buy it. And the inventions that we started with were better transportation, better access to energy, all of these types of things. But in a certain strata of society, we already have really cheap access to food. We have cheap access to all of these things. 
the best way to make money is actually to give you a disease and sell you a cure. And that's what Facebook does in a lot of ways, which is I make you insecure and I make you addicted to this thing. And I didn't make you do it. You're of your own volition logging into Instagram. So you can't blame me. I didn't, you know what I mean? But what I actually did is I got you addicted to something. Um, and so we have to ask, we have to ask when we're inventing these things, are we actually creating technologies that truly lead to more human fulfillments or are we tricking ourselves because we're manipulating people into wanting things that don't actually make them better? Um, and I think that used to be a minor portion of our economy. Um, but I think over time, the portion of the economy, which is, you know, give you a disease, sell you a cure type tools um, is growing. And that's, that begs a big problem for unregulated capitalism because uh, the market will incentivize those types of things unless we realize Facebook's not actually making people's lives better. Um, and so we need to rethink it. Yeah. Like so I hope AI, I hope AI. Yeah, go ahead. Are we on our way to like a Wally type situation or is the world more open to the fact that there's going to be like a bubble that bursts and the, the pendulum will swing the other way as AI takes over the technology and makes our lives easier? Will there be this shedding of, of technologies and things uh, maybe like hearkening back to days when you actually connected with humans? I hope so. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I think that would be wonderful if, uh, I mean, not all solutions in the life can be solved with technology. I think this is also like maybe obvious to you, but in the world that I'm from in technology, like sometimes people seem to forget that. They think all problems in the world are like technological problems, which is just not true. Uh, belongingness, feeling connected, feeling like you matter. We don't need apps to solve this. These are cultural things. These are how do you help foster community um, the feeling of self-determination requires people to work hard at things. Um, we don't want everything to be easy. Humans like to work hard and achieve things and get better at skills that are hard. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's it's possible we return to some of those principles, and I think that would be great. Matt, have you seen that commercial with Alan Iverson I have. about the AI? They're like, it's AI, and he's over at the grill. And, <laughs> no. You know, I always think I'm like, God. I mean, I hope he trademark that <laughs> if he trademarked ai he's going to make tons of oh, cash so much what, what, it, what what are the military ramifications for this you know so how do you use this technology you know because everybody's going to have it right so how do you have it better than the bad guys yeah that's a really i mean i don't consider myself like a expert in military strategy i do one thing that is happening though that is interesting is um, a lot of the voices that are concerned about uh, deploying these AI systems are being silenced with the military argument, which is, well, uh, we have no choice but to allow these systems to be developed as fast as possible, because if we don't, enemies and dangerous people will do the same. And there might be some truth to that, but I think in some ways that's a double fake, which is we can develop these things in safe ways uh, without deploying them globally uh, or whatever. So I, I think there's some... Some of that is fear-mongering to try and prevent us from slowing down AI development because it's just trying to make us afraid of someone else getting ahead. That said, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, ways in which um, the defense world is thinking about um, AI. One is, you know, right now if you think about, and I'm not an expert in this at all, but if you think about how the CIA and FBI thinks about information, they have these huge secret internal databases where they're looking through information. Yes, we do. And the speed at which, and the speed at which they can access that information really determines a lot of things. Um, and so I do know for a fact that they are working on, or maybe already internally deployed, using ChatGPT-like technology to enable 
uh, agents to access information as fast as possible because now it can query all these internal databases and give information at the hand of their finger uh, at, the, at the end of their fingertips. And so that type of, of AI deployment is really interesting. Facial recognition technology is something China's deployed. Uh, you know, some people would argue too far. Um, it's a little privacy violating, but now, you know, any camera in the world, we can detect, if you pass any camera in the world, we have the technology to know exactly where you are. Wow. Um, so that's another piece of technology. Uh, hacking into systems. I mean, GPT-4 is, you know, an incredible coder. So that means that you could have a sort of splinter cell group that um, doesn't have access to the top engineers in the world, but if they, access, if they have access to GPT-4, they can do a, a lot of software programming. Um, and so that also begs a security risk. So I think that across the board, there's going to be a lot of different uh, ways in which it's applied. Um, and yeah, we need to be thoughtful about defense because all of Everyone, every country in the world is looking at it. But you know what? What's scary? You know, going back to like, you know, the FBI. I know, I know, I know. But what the FBI does is it gathers information. That's all they do. You know that they, they are an information gathering organization. Again, stuff that I've learned in class. You know, when you see on television that they go and they're, you know, they're going into the houses and stuff. Like, that's not that. That's not what they do. They're they're not SWAT. They're not they're not they're not guns drawn. It's nothing like you see on TV. They are a fact finding organization so when you rely on something like ai and all the other stuff that goes along with it what happens when something does go wrong and it gives you false information you're not going to have that human uh connection to be able to kind of smell it out like you know there was an agent last night in class counterintelligence i mean this guy is just got a feel for it it got a vibe you know, there's that I always say that we use so little of our brain. I think we're all superheroes. If we can use all of our brain, we'd be able to do amazing things. I mean, I just don't think we're even a, a touch of what we're able to do as human beings. But there is some people that have the intuition more than others. That's a thing. AI doesn't have that. You know, you're asking it black and white questions. What if it gives you the wrong answer? You arrest the wrong guy. Or you go to the wrong place. And God forbid knows what happens because it's screwed up. That sucks. You know, nobody to blame yeah. afterwards. Yep. Yeah. So. You're right. Max, what are, what's the likelihood that we're living in a simulation already? <laughs> I believe it. You know, it's funny when uh, me and my friend, sometimes we, we talk about like, if there is a, like a crazy theory you believe in, what would it be? And I think mine is that we are living in a simulation. Yeah, I see. Um, and and uh, I, will, I will give you some of my evidence. Um, I think... Not that there's, of course, proof, right. but I think some of my favorite, <laughs> but some of my favorite things that are uh, suggestive of it is let's think about two very odd properties of physics, quantum mechanics, which is we have discovered that particles uh, do not have the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Uh, particles do not have a singular location in space or a singular momentum until they're observed. Mm -hmm. That makes really no sense. Right. Why would physics be designed such that the observer the conscious observer has an impact on the physics of it, but it makes perfect sense. If you think about us as being in a rendered simulation, because we already do this in video games, something called uh, uh, generative um, uh, generative design, where uh, as it, it, it reduces computational costs, if we don't have to render reality when we're not observing it. Mm -hmm. So, so in a video game, you haven't rendered the part of the map until you go to it. So it would make sense if we're in a simulation to not render the specifics of particles until a conscious entity is interacting with it. That's one thing. Second thing is 
if you were designing a, a, a simulation at the scale of the universe or Earth, it would be really expensive to compute causal relationships between things far away, right? Because every particle would be affected by every other particle. That would be a combinatorial explosion. One solution to this would be to make causality local. And uh, one way you could do that is make it so that it's impossible for causal relationships to affect things directly far away from it until a certain amount of time has passed. And from that, you would get special relativity, which is mm -hmm. uh, things cannot affect each other faster than the speed of light. There are causal cones, which is I literally cannot instantaneously affect something happening in Sacramento right now. It takes the speed of light to get there. Right. So I didn't invent these two things. There are other people who talk about it, but these two properties of physics, which make kind of no sense logically uh, make perfect sense if you hold the premise that we're in a simulation. So now that's so crazy. There's I mean, a little like, pitch for simulation theory. Almost word for word is what Nikki D texted me last week. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you also really? all right. No. Well, no, not at all. No, not even close. Not, not I'm even, so lost right now. Not, not, no. <laughs> Have you also seen that, like, because we can build a simulation, it already says we're probably in one, i.e., like, have you seen... Mm -hmm. That they have made in, so this is a little nerdy, but inside of Minecraft, they have figured out how to oh, build a computer that will run Minecraft. So they made a computer inside the game, and then they programmed wow. the game to run on the stuff that's inside the game. Wow. that's Watch that, this. Watch the YouTube video. It is it is mind-blowing. I knew Max would know what I was talking that. about. That's I, I that make, that make me shut off everything in my house. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, get out of here. Well, I just want my matrix powers, dude. If this is a simulation, then let me unlock some like some cheat codes. Yeah, that's not. What, Why uh, can't we be Neo? Thank you. What, what where did you go to school? Like, what did you graduate with? Uh, I graduated with a degree in economics and mathematics from, from Washington University in St. Louis. Like, did you wear the? thing around your neck so you're really smart he's so smart so oh my smart. god what is your what do you meet your wife at college no i met her uh seven years ago through a friend i went to college with oh ai actually yeah AI. Introduced him. what should oh, i yeah, say right, to right. this she, girl she's an ai yeah, yeah she's an ai <laughs> <laughs> it's not real i met her seven years ago through a friend <laughs> is, is your wife like as smart as you are and can you talk to her about this stuff she is a very, very uh, smart person in many ways, smarter than me. Um, and yeah, we talk about these things. It's a great answer uh, from time to time. She gets a little bored. She gets a little bored if I talk about it for too much. So we don't only talk about this. <laughs> no, I, I think I, it, I, I, I think it's great, man. Like I, I'm in, I'm in all of you. Like you're my yes. new favorite superhero. Like I, I think this is such a cool thing because I'm learning so much. I like to learn things, and uh, you're just a plethora of information. This is great. But it's like that kind of relationship. Like those. Like I can, my wife and I, my wife's, she's not the smartest woman, right? Don't but say that. She's very nice and she's very sweet and very pretty. You she know? doesn't listen to the podcast. So but he's safe. but no, but you know she knows. I didn't marry her for her brains, and you know, I'm the smart one in the house, and she knows that. Oh my god! But she's not keeping up with daily events, so I can't talk to her about those types of things. You know, Max has got a nice wife, and he's able to talk to her about physics and. Computers and games and stuff like that. I don't doubt his wife is not smart. I'm sure she is, but I guarantee you, she doesn't know half of the words I've heard him say today. Because I have no idea what they mean. What are you talking about? We just—that's what I just said. She's—he's she's smarter than him. I'm telling you, she talks to him and she smiles and nods, and sometimes she does not know what he's. Why talking are you about. saying Max's wife is not smart? I'm that's not rude. saying don't she's not smart. That is not what Did I said. Just I am that? just saying. No, I hear what she is he saying. He is extremely. I can't wait smart. to send this podcast to her. Yeah. <laughs> She, she's she's probably like the president of like five companies right now. <laughs> yeah, right like, now, I'm just trying to 
Now I'm just trying to avoid getting in trouble. That's why I'm just saying <laughs> no, that. You've already said the right things. Smarter hey, than you. Hey, very bef- wonderful. Before we let you go, and we can cut this out of the podcast, but like, w- can we reach out to you for our radio show in Sacramento if this comes up and 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 and, and get of you? Course. Like, can I give you my Anytime. can I give you my email address and you just shoot me your like how to get a hold of you, however you feel comfortable. Um, I mean, I'll give totally, it out. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fine. It's I am Jason Bailey at Gmail. I am. A M J A S O N B as in boy A I L E Y. I would love to stay in contact yep. with you. Um, you're just a fascinating, great dude, man. And there's this stuff that comes up all oh, the time, that. you know. And Nelson is actually really smart when it comes to this stuff. But it would yeah. be great to have you on as well. Oh yeah, so. I could I could talk to you. I wouldn't be in your league, but I could talk to you about this shit for hours, man. It's just very fascinating. Um, can I? Uh, I'll shoot email right now. Yeah, Thank can you. I send you my Venmo in case you have too much money laying around? <laughs> You know, in the future, <laughs> it's really easy. That's are, just no. I need UBI. I support. I support universal basic income. So let's let's do it. <laughs> A brief history of intelligence, evolution, AI, and the five breakthroughs that made our brains. Which is uh, which is the book? You're gonna make this into like a movie or a docu series or something like that. It would be cool. Yeah, I don't know. Um, no one from Netflix or anything's reached out yet, but it would be cool to make it into a docu-series. Well, have you screwed over any of your buddies with any of this founding stuff? You know, because they like a juicy story that so that they can cast the right characters. Uh no. no. I mean, Too I'm nice sure. I mean, after after having hundreds of employees, I'm sure there's some people that would feel like you know we didn't always do the right things. But no, I think we. Uh, I'm still on great terms with all my founders uh, and the yeah. team. Usually, like when no juicy stories there. Dang. Usually, like, when we have a guest like this and they have a you know project like this, and I would pitch myself to do the audio book, uh-huh. but I'm not going to do that in this case because there's probably a lot of words in there I can't, you pronounce. can't pronounce. There's not it a at chance all. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> at all. <laughs> not a chance. All right, Max Bennett. Thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk soon. We'll have you on the radio show. Have you back on the podcast? You're a fascinating. Uh, dude, man, you are just a great guy, and I wish you nothing but the best with this. And please don't end the world with your brain, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderfully fun. All right, talk to you soon, Max. Thanks so much. Bye bye. All right, we'll see. Bye bye bye. God, what a great dude, man. I mean, like, like that guy was absolutely like he Nikki didn't so say a word. Smart. I think she was intimidated. No, I was confused. Uh-huh. I don't know what most of what he was saying. Like this last little simulation run he went on with Nelson, uh-huh. I was like, I know I'm not the only one who doesn't understand what he's saying. I was in here, I was thinking, I know Jason's confused. You too. never heard that about quantum physics? He didn't say quantum physics. He said he the nuclear bubble and the no. thing and goes out here to the molecules for smashing this and then it goes around. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? Having a stroke. That's the words he was saying. I'm like, what? Yeah, but you, but you should then be. uh, And no, I thank you for speaking for me. But I knew exactly what he was talking. about. No, you didn't. I did too. I studied all this stuff. I was looking at your face. You were confused, just like me. I was doing that to make sure he felt like he was needed. (laughs) But you should be like inquisitive about this. Like, if you don't know. You should be asking questions. I, I asked the one question I wanted to know. He answered it, and then you guys asked him really hard questions and hard stuff. I don't even know what you guys were talking about anymore. So I'm not going to just jump in and say red hot chili peppers. That's dumb. <laughs> oh so my I God, just listened. Yes. How can I do <laughs> I a new listened. red hot chili pepper song <laughs> and right. chat? Pe- right. No. It was fascinating. Absolutely <sighs> fascinating. I almost didn't ask him the simulation thing, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> 
I'm I'm glad I did. But just because I was the just podcast, like, ask him what the fuck you want. Yeah, but I was overthinking it. You know what I mean? Like mm. I go, is he going to think this is funny, or is he going to think that I'm shitting on him, no, which I didn't want to do? A whole hypothesis. And he said, you know what? I'd never heard that about the time displacement, but it makes perfect sense to me now. You know, I've I, I don't know what mode I am recently in my life, and I don't normally get weird like this. I never, I I, I very rarely second guess myself and mm-hmm. who I am. But I got to tell you, I just want to be straight up and honest with you guys. You know, I'm always honest with you is uh, is lately because of the people that I've been around. I'm starting to second guess who I am at 48 and the things that you say. No, the things that I've the things that I have yet to accomplish. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or or never will accomplish. Well, because you're around people that's been so smart. Yeah. You know, the FBI stuff has really gotten to me. You know, really? Because you really want to go be an agent. You feel like you well, missed the mark. You know, I know there's a lot of bit and this joking and stuff like that, but you know, I I see what I could have possibly like. I get so frustrated with like I can't do anything else. Like this is what I do, and yes, I'm very good at it. Thank you, Jason. You're, you're welcome. But <laughs> I, I, this business is shrinking, mm-hmm. and the way that I want to do what I know I do best and well and what works isn't the way the business wants it to be done. So wine, oh, whoa, cry me a river, blah, blah, blah. You know, so the podcasting was a blast for me, you know, over the past Mm -hmm. year plus. I had a great time doing that and being able to do it. But, you know, it gets to a point where you still have to make money and you you have to be successful. The money, you know, anyway, I'm 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 not crapping on anything. I'm not crapping on radio or podcast or anything like that. I'm just saying that if I wanted to move forward, it's very difficult Start your own business. Okay, well, that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-mm. That's a struggle. It is. I've had some that have worked, and I've had some that have failed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the risk that you take. But I look at some of the possibly safer occupations where I could have made a difference. Like, yes, I've done things in radio that I've made a difference in people's lives. I know that. I know through COVID especially, when me and Steve were on the air in Atlanta and all of us were on the air, we made a difference in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like we were there just, I'm sure Nelson and your okay. show yep. in Nebraska radio makes a difference, mm-hmm. but like the FBI going back to the FBI, I see some of these agents and I'm like, I could have been that. Like, I wish I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Like I still don't know who I am at 48. I'm, I've never been that guy. And out of high school, I had friends that knew who they were and what they wanted. Right. And I thought that was stupid. I thought that you needed time to find yourself yep. and it'll eventually come to you. I was wrong, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I wish that I had, and, and that is a lot of, I didn't have direction. I didn't have anybody pushing me. I didn't have anything I was passionate about. Right. You know, like I guessed that so much shit in life and it just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. So I wish out of high school that I would have gone into the academy and gone into the FBI and been an FBI agent my entire life. Mm-hmm. Retired when you're supposed to retire, like, in, in your 50s and be done and then go off and do private security, you know, all that stuff. I mm-hmm. wish I would have served my country, served my community and felt like I was needed in this world. Uh, and, and this fucking FBI class is fucking with my brain, dude. I'm telling Dang. you. And then, you know, you talk to a guy like this, Max Bennett, and he's, you know, 33 years old. All he did was pay it. Pay attention in school. Mm-hmm. He did. You a know, lot of attention. That's all he did. And he's passionate about something. And maybe mm-hmm. that's it. I'm not passionate about nothing. Like, yeah, but there wasn't anything for you to pay attention to that he was able to pay attention to at his age. Do you get me? Like, 
there wasn't computers weren't a focus of when you were growing up. You had a, a typewriting class, I'm guessing, because I had a typewriting class, not even a fucking computer class. No, I had computer classes all the way from seventh grade until I graduated. We had typing class and it was on like maybe the most basic of. Yeah, it was. I, I had a. Well, I had a computer. I had computer classes. You had like Apple computer with like, number munchers or something. With but, the turtle and stuff. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> in high school, I think. But in seventh grade, I had typing class and it was on a computer. Okay. But I was always told, you know, even my mother always told me. It's like. That's for chicks? Typing for chicks? No, 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 no. That the, the future is. Computers. The future is. Yeah. The, you know, that, I mean, that was always told to me. But I was the jock. I was, you know, uh, it's this is always going to be around. I'm always going to, hey, but it, you know, it's that's going to be my life. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it's gotten me in so much trouble. Even at 48, mm-hmm. I still get in trouble because I have the same mentality, mm-hmm. to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it pisses me off. It makes me angry because I can't go back. It's not shoots and ladders. I can't grab one of those things and just fall back to the beginning, and it sucks. And 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 I've never, I don't think in my life felt regret as much as I feel it today and and not just like right now but I'm just saying recently Mm -hmm. and it's made moving out here to Sacramento it's made the issues that I've had lately with some stuff um in this fucking FBI class and seeing these people and going I could do that and this is not that moment (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to chill you out you know but you know, I'm just being, you know, being straight. Oh no, yeah, I appreciate. I love that. the transparency. I have not heard you be this transparent. I don't Mm-mm. think since I've met you. And one thing I will say that nope, you can't go back. You can't change your life path. But mm-hmm. you are not getting ready to die, so you can change what happens with the rest of your life. Well, speaking of, here's my plan. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about taking up Hindu. What? Hindu. Oh, for reincarnation. Going to come back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So if I buy into it, <laughs> nobody gets you like I get you. Thank you. Start eating a lot of Indian food. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Probably take a trip over. Oh, to the motherland. Things die down over there. Uh huh. You know. And then I'm going to come back. And I'm going to be Hindu Jason. Yeah, that's not a good plan. And then, uh, and then hopefully I will die. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come back, and I'll set this shit up totally different. And I want to come back. You will die, says no. <laughs> I want to come back as an Asian baby. <laughs> they got the best hair. Oh my god. Is that a fact? I didn't know. Is that a stereotype I didn't know about? Asians' hair? Asians have the best hair. Oh my god! Oh, I need to. I would. Asian. I would give anything to have an Asian man's hair. It's jet black for your entire life. Oh right! And you can wear it however you want, and it's way cool. Look at those K-pop bands. Oh man, speaking facts right now. Best fucking hair out there. They do have great hair. Oh my god! See, thank you. I do agree with that. It's and the, thick too. Yeah, and it's thick, right? I've never seen a balding Asian guy. I was just about I to say that. About it. I haven't seen one. Exactly. Unless they wanted it themselves, right? Unless yeah. they like shaved their heads. So I got it's not I, a single widow's peak among them. I do have a plan. That's not a good plan, though. You need to come I up agree. with a realistic plan. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> a realistic plan is what you need. <laughs> not that. So I agree. <laughs> there is no doubt about it. You are correct. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, we got. I got. I'm supposed to be in a meeting, yeah, so okay. let me. Uh, we'll, we'll save the haunted house stuff. And if you're not listening to the the radio show, um. You should the, be. The, yeah, you should be. I but, post the podcast every day. But we'll the, be fine. The next uncensored episode will be on uh, El Dia de los Muertos. Anyway, right? So we can still talk haunted houses then. What the, what the fuck did you just say? Next Wednesday, oh. the Day of the Dead. 
is the first of November. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, we took uh, Nelson through the haunted house and scared the shit out of him, and the audio is hilarious. the The video that Buddy, the videographer, videographer did is up on our YouTube channel at the Bailey Show. So if you want to see it, then we'll. I've uh, got requests. Excuse me for those that do listen to the radio show, ninety eight Rock in Sacramento, six to ten a.m. Pacific time. Uh, TheBaileyShow.com or on the Odyssey app. Uh, we had the lady Susan Hodgkins out of Atlanta on because her house got demolished on accident mm-hmm. by a company that's kind of ghosted her. So I've hooked her up with Mad Dog Manny, of course, right. then sparked, for those that know, know, you two percenters, uh, you know, missing Mad Dog Manny. So Mad Dog Manny is going to join this show. Nice. Yeah. And this is how it's kind of going to work. You know, we released the radio show in podcast form, so you get a long... I mean, that's pretty much what we were doing before, right? I mean, outside of the cussing, and I know it's chopped up and blah, blah, blah. It's a little bit different, a lot different, but that's why we do this, the Uncensored episode, and then we'll grow from here. You know, we'll see what happens after this. But anyway, uh, and listen to the BS, our social media. Every time I say it, we get a couple new people, which Mm -hmm. is cool, especially the newbies in Sacramento. That's cool. All right, Nikki, you got anything? Yeah, Since when you didn't in say doubt, shit with a guy re- was on. When in doubt, remain silent. And that's on period. I don't feel no kind of way about it. You know, that, I got to tell you, is the best advice you can give any broadcaster that's supposed to talk for a living. Right. Nope, <laughs> nope. You guys had all the talking covered. It's crazy. It's the same advice truck drivers give each other. Oh. When in doubt, close your eyes. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Nelson. Beware the simulation. Beware, beware. All right. As always, we appreciate you listening. Have yourself a great, safe rest of your week. If all goes well, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Uh, Until then, bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. TheBaileyShow.com Now, get out of here.